0: Deciding to donate a loved one's organs is a decision that lives on.
1: I would do it again in a heartbeat. When we can go out and talk and tell our story, it helps you. It helps you heal, it helps you grow. It's so powerful and humbling.
0: Christine Ho's husband, Jonathan, was a Chicago police officer for almost 12 years, and we are delighted to have her come and share her story of his life, their love, and her advocacy for organ and tissue donation. I'm Marian Shuck, your host for Let's Talk Hope, a podcast devoted to sharing stories and turning tragedies into triumphs. Christine, please tell us a little bit about your husband in your journey as an advocate for an organ and tissue donation?
1: Sure, so Jonathan, John and I met uh, working together for ADT Security in the call center. He was a super fun guy, always, you know, anything fast and anything sporty, he wanted motorcycles, four wheelers, you know, Mustangs, that was his life. Meeting my family, he decided to become a Chicago police officer, hearing stories from family members. Um, I didn't know how his family would react to that, but they seemed to, you know, do pretty well with it. Um, After he became a police officer, things just, he was a great officer. It was like he was meant for the job and he loved every day. He loved helping people. He loved, I mean, we would be out and He had some kids in the the neighborhood who had some problems with their parents and they would call him to, you know, help them through their problems with their parents. And he would go and talk to the parents and even off duty and talk to the kids and help to restructure their relationship. And he just he loved what he did. And then becoming an organ donor. That was his, his choice. Obviously, we never talked about it. I wasn't at the time. I definitely am now. I just didn't understand enough about it. Um, I remember when they I was approached at the hospital when he was finally declared, and I, I was not in the right state of mind and just said, just go with whatever's on his license. From there, my kids and I have done many activities with Gift of Hope and it's just been a blessing for us because I think with the kids, they understand and they see that they're not the only ones going through hard times and they're not the only ones that lost somebody. And it's really a humbling experience to partake in the activities that Gift of Hope offers.
0: And Christine, you mentioned you weren't sure how his family would take him being an officer. Can you explain
1: that? Uh, it's cultural. It's cultural. It's a dangerous job, and he wasn't going to school for that. He was going for Microsoft networking and some computer stuff, and that's a huge, huge change. It's a huge difference in what he originally wanted to do and what he chose to do.
0: And why would you say that it was cultural?
1: His family is against anything dangerous, Mm -hmm. which is funny because you know, he loved, like I said, all things fast, so you think, but. I guess it was just born into in him to love the adrenaline rush of situations. I mean, we all know in Chicago, you know, with Chicago police that it's probably an adrenaline rush every day.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you think that it had anything to, you know, really do with his Asian background?
1: Yes, definitely. Like they, yes, it was definitely cultural for the both sides, the Chinese and the Filipino side, to be against being a police officer. And once they realized like what a great officer he was and how happy it made him, they were fully on board.
0: How did you have the conversation with your children? You mentioned that you weren't registered but John was, but then you talk about the challenges that the kids face in terms of being different because they've lost their father. How did you broach that conversation with them?
1: I think being a part of Gift of Hope, they have it's really opened their eyes to see the good that it does and how many lives can be saved. And to be honest, both of my kids now have their license, and I completely left it up to them if they wanted to become a donor. Obviously, they both are. It was their choice 100%. And I would support them with whatever decision that they made. I would never do anything to persuade their decision. But we had discussions about the good, the bad, the pros, the cons, you know, everything, and they outweighed everything each side. And it was ultimately their decision. And they're glad that their dad was able to save so many people.
0: Yes. And and your children were young when your husband passed away.
1: Can you tell us what happened? He was on his way home from work. I didn't realize at the time that he had He was on his motorcycle, and my daughter, being only 10 years old, was at my sister's house, and I remember texting my sister to ask her if John had picked Taylor up yet, and she said no, and I said, okay, he's probably on a late arrest. If he doesn't get her by the time I get off work, I'll go pick her up. Mm -hmm. Then my son called and said, mom, the police are here. They want to talk to you, and immediately I thought he did something wrong. And he said, no, 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 I didn't do anything, but they want to talk to you. So the police (laughs) officer got on the phone and, you know, and he said, can you just call me on my cell phone? I said, what is going on? He's like, just call me on my cell phone. I said, okay. So I called him on a cell phone and he told me, he said, we're on our way. We're going to come pick you up from work. I need the address, you know, for where you're working and your husband was in an accident. And I said, okay, didn't click because I thought he had his Jeep that day. And as I'm packing my stuff up, it hit me. The lady that I worked with came over and she was talking to me, and her and her husband, right, also. And she said, Chris, don't go there. And I said, nope. I know exactly what this means. I know exactly where we're going. And they wouldn't just come pick me up from work for nothing, for a a regular accident. So, yeah, police came and picked up myself. They picked up my mother-in-law from the South loop And drove us to the hospital.
0: And what was the experience like once you got to the hospital? And you you mentioned earlier that John was registered. But what was that experience like going through and having someone from Gift of Hope walk into the room once you understood that John's life
1: was no longer sustainable? To be honest, I was angry. I was angry with them. And there was no reason for it. It's just you go through so many emotions, and it had nothing to do with the people that came to me from Gift of Hope. It was my own emotions that I was going through because he was actually alive for two days before they declared him. Not alive and awake, you know, just laying there in my heart, I knew. But. It's still a very hard thing to hear. And then somebody is there saying, well, you know, this is, you know, the circumstances. And I was very angry. And like I said, then once I sat down and grasped what was really going on, then things changed.
0: How did John's family take the decision to allow him to be an organ and tissue donor? Sometimes there are cultural nuances and challenges to organ donation. And I'm just curious as to how how the conversation was had and if they were on board with your decision.
1: Um, I don't think that they were fully on board. I don't remember really getting slack from them. And so it, sometimes parts of that week are, I don't remember very much, just, you know, you're not in the right state of mind, but they knew that I wouldn't do anything to jeopardize or put anybody in a bad situation, um, which I love about them because they know everything would have been for John, not for me, not for everything was for him. They understood that if this was his wishes that I would abide by what he wanted. But it, it it definitely is cultural and religious and, you know, all the different things, but it wasn't our decision to make. It was his.
0: Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much for honoring his decision. Sometimes we have situations uh, with Gift of Hope as the organ procurement organization where sometimes families are not on board if you haven't had the discussion about what somebody's wishes were. And we do our best to honor. But sometimes we do get resistant even if someone is a first person authorization. So thank you for you know, even in your your time that was a blur in probably the worst day of your life that you were able to honor John's wishes and to allow us to honor his wishes as well.
1: I didn't understand it before and wasn't a donor, but we definitely all are now.
0: Yes. And one of the things is how I got to know you is through our organ summit where we asked you to come and speak because at that time we were honoring superintendent eddie johnson who was just found out to have needed an organ and we had him as a speaker and we really wanted to honor those law enforcement officials who gave selflessly of their careers but then john gave selflessly in death can you tell us what the oregon summit was like and, and, and how you made the decision to participate in something so public.
1: It's interesting because I was so scared and so nervous and my emotions were still so raw at that time. But I love telling our story and I love telling his story. And I think I'll tell that story forever because I, I feel like that still keeps him alive. I know there's so much slack with with police officers now and there's definitely more good than the bad out there. I would do it again in a heartbeat. These things that we when we can go out and talk and tell our story, it helps you. It helps you heal it helps you grow it's it's so powerful and humbling.
0: It most definitely is and since that time of the Oregon Summit, I wanted you to know that I have been working collaboratively with law enforcement officers because about two years after the organ summit, I got a call from former superintendent Terry Hilliard, who talked about lots of law enforcement officers and their families not really knowing and understanding organ and tissue donation, but that there were high suicide rates among officers and he wanted something good to be able to come of that. So we've been working together collaboratively to educate law enforcement officials. We're going to do more rollouts this year with using videos. And one of the things that we talked about was using stories of families who've lost a loved one who was a law enforcement officer. So I'm happy to hear that you continue to want to share a story because I'd like to tap into you to be able to do that. Because we're talking over 250,000 law enforcement officers that really need to understand one, the process of donation, but the options and how we turn such a tragedy for you into a triumph in terms of you feeling comfortable with sharing his story with you, allowing your children to be organ and tissue donors on their driver's license. And just the advocacy that you've shown for Gift of Hope, I believe is so important. I guess in your capacity as a donor wife, what would you say would be the most important things that we can do to educate law enforcement officers and their families?
1: I guess hearing true stories, hearing from the people that have been there and in that situation. And I mean, I know my story is probably different than some others where he wasn't killed in the line of duty or uh, a suicide, but it's still a loss. Yes, And it was still a sudden loss. And they still have very similar backgrounds and stories to tell. And I guess real life stories and hearing from people is probably number one.
0: And Christine, a loss is a loss. Uh, Two and a half years ago, uh, I lost my husband. It was unexpected as well. And so even though I work at Gift of Hope, you would think and people tend to think that, wow, how, how did that happen? But death comes to all of us. It doesn't matter how it happened. It happened and how we handle it and how we deal with it is what's most important and how we turn our grief into advocacy, which I'm so um, impressed that you've been able to do that. Tell us a little bit about what you have been doing in terms of have there been things that you've done to honor John's legacy and, you know, just what are some some of the things you've been doing since his death? I
1: mean, basically just the, we, for the kids, I, we did a year and a half of grief therapy. That's very difficult for kids because they think that something's wrong with them because they have to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't an option to not do it but we had to find somebody that they were comfortable with. And I get that and I understood it. And I also had to feel comfortable just doing the little things and the little steps that people think aren't necessary were tremendous. And it was necessary Um, being able to share a story, being able to do just different little things, you know, help somebody else that's been in the same situation I always throw things out there. Even my daughter who is 16 years old, wants she's in peer mentoring and wants to talk to other kids that have been through, that are younger than her that have been through, you know, losing a parent. So, I think that being open and you know has helped both of my kids and especially my daughter with try she wants to help other people like how she was helped. And to me that's that's huge. You know, we do still have bad days. Yes. There's fewer and fewer days, but there's still, you know, those emotional days here and there that get the best of us. And that's okay. But it's also something that needs to be talked about and discussed when they're ready. It may not be at that time where, when they're angry or they're sad, but, you know, being super open and understanding that they're human too, and they're going to have those feelings is something I've I've learned to help them with.
0: Oh, most definitely. And the greatest saying is, you know, grief is one very personal, but also grief takes time. There is no telling people, oh, you should be over it by now or you should move forward. You have to. And I commend you for the way that you have worked with your children to be able to give them the support, but also to find support for yourself. Uh, which is very important, something women, we don't always do. We tend to always take care of everybody else and then worry about ourselves later. And have there been anything that you've done uh, to honor John's legacy, to keep him and the kids connected and yourself
1: to the police department? Um, So my kids do the, um, I mean, they haven't had it the last couple of years, but they started again this year, but they do the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation run. And actually, like, you know, because I come from a family of Chicago police, my sister does it, my brother in law is a Chicago police officer, um, a bunch of friends. And it's nice to go there and see everybody that I haven't seen in so long. As far as I think with the kids getting older, we don't get to participate in as much. You know, Bryson's 18, he works. Taylor's 16. She's in sports and school and honors classes. And so things are a little bit more difficult now than when they were younger. And, you know, I had a little bit more say, (laughs) but we tried to do as much as we can. Good. How have you continued to work with Gift of Hope? With the last couple of years, we haven't really been able to do much. Um, But I think the last thing we did were the memory boxes, Mm-hmm. Um, and the, at the home office, I really enjoy doing that stuff. We've also done the um, the breakfast. I think was that at that Cantigny. Yeah, Cantigny um, Park. Yeah, uh, my mother in law and I did that one. The balloon release we've done. Well, good. Uh, Christine, it has been such a pleasure to have you
0: here today uh, to, you know, just share a little bit of your story. Tell us about John, how the children are doing. And we just thank you for continuing to be an advocate for organ and tissue donation. And we look forward to your being able to get back out and be a volunteer and definitely sharing your story on our podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Hope. We encourage you to start the conversation about organ and tissue donation with your loved ones today and make your wishes known. You can register to become a donor at giftofhope.org.
2: Hello, Tina Montgomery, Supervisor Community Outreach. In my role, I'm responsible for raising awareness and educating the community about organ, eye, and tissue donation. Daily, I'm asked a lot of questions about the donation process and how it works. So we've added those questions to our spinning wheel and we're going to answer them right now from the audience. So let's give the wheel a huge spin. Oh, it's a
1: good
2: one. Here we are. We're on question number four. This question is what organs and tissue can be donated? Well, we get this question a lot from all types of people. We say that the list of organs and tissues that can be successfully transplanted continue to grow. So does your ability to save and heal lives as a deceased organ, eye, and tissue donor? One donor can save up to eight lives, restore sight to two people through cornea donation, and heal more than 25 lives through tissue donation. The major organs that can be donated for transplant are the liver, heart, lungs, kidney, pancreas, and small intestines. Tissues can be donated, including the cornea, bone, and associated tissue, veins and arteries, heart valves, and skin. Thank you for that great question. It is a question that we get a lot. We look forward to getting more questions from you and
0: spinning the wheel on the donation facts. Let's Talk Hope. If you like what you've heard today, we hope that you will listen again wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Let's Talk Hope was produced by Rivet. And if you'd like to hear more great podcasts, please visit rivet360.com.